Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land in Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am in conversation with one of my favorite people to have on this podcast, LGHL legend Colton Denning. The former land grainer might not be as present in Ohio State coverage as he once was, but he is still cranking out great OSU content, just in a different way than before. For the entire month of July, Colton is adding highlights for former Buckeye greats to his YouTube page. We talk all about that, what he's learned from this second annual project, what he was most surprised by, and much, much more. We also discuss the 2021 Buckeyes and get into what he expects from the much maligned, by him, defense and the upcoming return of the EA College football video game. So with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Colton Denning. All right, Colton, it's been like, I don't know now, uh, nearly a year and a half, two years since you've been like on the official Ohio State content creating team but that doesn't mean you're stopping you've been knocking out some amazing highlight videos over on youtube just before um we signed on i watched your updated terry glenn one and it's absurd how great he was um you you kind of forget it but what is the whole deal behind these these highlights you've always done highlights but what are you doing this july uh to kind of get ready for the football season so the idea first came up uh, in the midst of everything going on last summer and pandemic and sports really not being back yet. And I just had this crazy idea while I was still working in baseball. I don't know why or, or how I, how I did it, but I was like, you know what, with the season coming up, I will do one throwback Ohio state video per day. And last year was Mostly like if you go back, the playlist is there and I'll throw it on my, my Twitter account. It's mostly the, you know, the star players. I ended it with Troy Smith. There was a, a lot of dudes, Joey Galloway, Orlando Pace. And it was a lot of fun to put together to, to see. Even for me, I'm 30 years old, so I didn't get to see a lot of those guys, you know, play live. So to, to go back and watch through and see how many great players have been in Ohio State history, that was really cool. And then 
this year I, I don't really have anything to do. And so I was like, all right, well, might as well do it again. Uh, just, just to see if I could do it just cause I'm just so sick in the head. And now we're what nine days through it as we're recording it. And it's been a grind. I have stuff scheduled, uh, I think through July 15th at this point, but it's, it's been a lot of fun. And once again, just going back and watching some of these older players, you realize even like secondary guys, just how good Ohio State's had it for the last 20 plus years. Yeah. And we're talking, like you said, on July 9th, I was a little surprised at the one you released today before we started recording. Um, that was the greatest quarterback in Ohio State history and everybody's favorite color commentator, Kirk Herbstreet. How, how, is, <laughs> how is that one to put together? Let me tell you, man, uh, it was fun, first and foremost. But Herbie, as I'm sure some of the older fans can attest to, um, he a touch wasn't his thing on throws. I, I can say that for sure. He could throw the ball. He could spin it. But uh, he was an option quarterback in high school. Mm-hmm. And to see that, like, he was, you know, trying to compete with Kent Graham and uh, I think Bobby Hoying was right after him. Um, it was interesting to see where John Cooper was trying to take the offense in the early 90s. And you had Kirk Herbstreet trying to throw the ball to Joey Galloway, which didn't always work out well, but it was fun to put together. And that's one where like uh, that was mostly for uh, people to, you know, dunk on, I guess. And that's maybe not fair to Kirk Herbstreet, but that was that was one to just be like, wow, this this guy actually played quarterback for us. So. Uh, hopefully Kirk Herbstreit sees it and retweets it and I get some subscribers (laughs) after that. That was really the play that I was making for that one, but it was fun to go back and cut that video. Yeah. You've never been shy of uh, publicly dunking on uh, Herbie or anybody else for that matter. (laughs) But uh, as you've gone through it, whether it was last summer or this summer, like you said, you've seen some of these guys play, some of the guys you haven't seen play, who was the, the, the person or, you know, the set of highlights that really surprised you the most about like, I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was this good. There's two that stand out and you already mentioned one and Terry Glenn is just, I I don't want to say I'll put his highlights up against anybody, but for just sheer outlandishness, I, I really didn't realize what type of player he was in college just because I was too young. And I remember being a Cowboys fan, him playing for the Cowboys and, you know, that was later in his career and he was still good. And, and I knew he would gone to Ohio state and that he was a high pick and played for the Patriots and was a really spectacular player, but just some of the catches, I, I don't know if I've ever seen at least in Ohio state history, a more acrobatic receiver. That one is just so ridiculous. And if there's one to go watch, it's that one. And then the second one, Dan Wilkinson, I, guy, I had yeah. no idea. I, I knew he was the first pick in the draft and, that was really cool. And then just going back and that was like limited what I could pick from. There was only, I think, eight or nine full games of Wilkinson to go through and not a lot of replays. But the games I did go through, he was a beast. I don't know how anybody blocked him. He was an absolute monster. So I, I was surprised at just how dominant he was. Yeah, he's somebody who uh, also owned a Graders in my hometown uh, at, during his playing career. So always a big fan of Big Daddy. Um, <laughs> there's some other ones of these recent ones that you've got coming up. Um, you've got 
Carlos Snow, who's from like my early childhood, and I'm like a decade older than you. Uh, but then you've also got Pepe Pearson, now the running backs coach with Eddie George at Tennessee State. You've got John Simon. You've got Boom Heron. As you look back at guys like Pepe Pearson and Carlos Snow and compare them to guys from the more modern times like Boom Heron um, or um, or even like Devere Posey, who you've got coming out over the weekend as well, um, what are you seeing the major differences from back in the day and then from like the recent times, whether it's terms of skill, is there really that much big of a difference? Is it just the, the offensive styles, whatever? It's got to be the offensive style because even, you know, Carlos Snow, Pepe Pearson, these are guys that filter through every school and that's not to degrade them because they sure. were both really good running backs, but especially at a place like Ohio state, these are guys where we just don't even think about him anymore. And Carlos snow at, I think when he was done, he was like the third leading rusher in school history. Yeah, so he so. was top five. And it's amazing just how, you know, that's what 20, 25 years ago. And you just completely forget about it. But the offensive style has just changed so much. Even going back and doing Eddie George's last summer, you go through the game logs and some of these drives are like George for three, George for six, George for four, George for 12. And it's all just back to back to back. And then you see that that's even happening with Pepe Pearson and Carlos Snow, where they're just getting drives of six straight carries, seven straight carries. And now you see the ball is a little more distributed evenly and you're seeing a lot more explosive plays. And that, to me, really is where the game has changed. And then even a guy like Devere Posey, I forgot how much of a, a deep threat he was. He had a lot of plays down the field. But in that offense, those plays weren't few and far between. But you just didn't see the explosiveness that you see now. And you just wonder, like, man, I wonder what that would look like in an offense that was super wide open, seeing some of the skill talent out wide. Yeah. It, well, aside from the game stuff, I love some of the stuff you post on Twitter, whether it's screenshots of Lloyd Carr's fashion choices from games <laughs> um, or like the the stuff from the broadcasts. What's been your takeaways from watching all of these games about how we consume college football has changed over the decades? The biggest and the most obvious is up until I think like 1997, they would go like 10, 12 minutes without showing the score, without showing the down and distance, unless it was like a fourth and one. And I know that there's like a weird subset of people that still prefer that just to have nothing on the screen. Weird. But to just, yeah, to just not have that information. For me, like you need to have score, you need to have time, you need to have down and distance. That's all I need. And they would just go full drives without saying anything. You could just turn a game on and you'd have no idea what quarter it was, yeah. what the score was, whatever. And now all of that information is so readily at our fingertips on these broadcasts. And it's just changed so much in replays too. You'll see a, a great play and then it's just like, oh, no replay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and those there are cuts where people won't show the replay, but there are also full broadcast uh, videos available where just like, you know, you have six, seven replays per game. And now you'll see a seven yard gain that gets replayed from multiple angles. So it's just like everything else, ev everything now is so much more consumable. Yeah. And I imagine a lot of that change happened uh, with the advent of like 
TVs. You don't didn't have to get up and like change the channel on, you know, like when you could actually like yeah. flip through things, you want to have that information to know if you want to stay on the game. But um, one of the highlights that you put out here recently in the first week uh, of July um, really ties into the current Ohio State team. And that's Brian Hartline. Um, you you talk about the, on, on Twitter about like he's obviously now one of, if not the best recruiting wide receivers coach in the country, but he was also a pretty damn good wide receiver at Ohio state as well. Yeah, he was. And I got to be straight up transparent. I think I've said this on Twitter before I was young during the heartline era. I was like teenage. So I was still super, uh, I was very aggressive. Like people may think some of my <laughs> tweets are aggressive. Now I was super aggressive on damn. the early, uh, SB nation, um, you know, that that blog era and Brian Hartline, when he played at Ohio State, was my least favorite Ohio State player, because I remember hearing those rumors yeah, that uh, he was he was one of the players that didn't want Terrell Pryor as quarterback that because him and Todd Beckman were really good friends, or at least that was what was told. And so even like after he graduated, I was like, I never liked Brian Hartline. He was never my guy. And then, of course, he comes in and has just been. So fantastic. And that's some pro that I've had to eat. But going back and watching him, he really was a very good player. And he was even pretty good in the NFL, too. But what he's done here, um, I, I don't even know how to describe it, really, in such a short amount of time. And not only that, it's not like he came from, you know, anywhere as the receivers coach or an offensive coordinator, whatever it may be. He just kind of stepped into a role because they they needed to hire somebody. And he's he's knocked it out of the park and, and even more. Yeah. Not that I will ever actually thank um, Zach Smith for anything, but like kind of thanks for being a turd bucket, Zach Smith. Cause like that's how <laughs> Brian Hartline ended up getting the job. He probably would have gotten the job eventually anyway, but I'm glad it's at Ohio state rather than him having to go look somewhere else for uh, for an actual wide receiver coach gig. Yeah. We've seen uh, Marcus Freeman, Linebacker, like that's the alternate reality oh. nightmare is Brian Hartland's like the receivers coach at Notre Dame. <laughs> God, that would suck. I, I, you know, I think Al Washington's doing a really good job, but I was really shocked when Ohio State didn't snatch Marcus Freeman away from Cincinnati when they hired Al Washington. And, and maybe that was out of respect for Luke Fickle, but man, that's really come back to bite uh, Ryan Day and the coaching staff in the ass, I think, and probably will more in the future. But um, before we get into more actual like, in you know in the modern times ohio state stuff i want to wrap up the the highlight stuff with i talked about some of the ones you have um set to come up in the coming days by the time people hear this uh ahmed Plummer and of your posey will already be out you'll have carlos snow boom heron john simon pepe pearson um who else through the course of this month should people look forward to to seeing highlights from that you're especially excited uh, to get out there uh, i'm not going to give away the ones at the end i'm okay, ending the fair. month with with two Big ones and the one that everybody has wanted at the end of the month. You can piece that together if you've been following along. Um, but two that I'm really excited about from the Trestle era, or I guess guess three, um, Vernon Golston on July 16th. Uh, just a just an absolute freak. And I know the stuff in the NFL, you know, he just washed out, wasn't very good, but man, that he has like three or four games where he just completely takes over the offense by himself um, and dominates the offense by himself. And then Kurt Coleman and Brandon Sane. Brandon Sane oh, yeah. is a guy that's like very niche in Ohio state Twitter. And when you talk about him, it's like Brandon Sane would, 
dominate nowadays. And when you go back and watch him, he was kind of just like this luxury piece of the offense and they would throw to him and they would throw to him in the red zone. And it's just, it's fun to go back and watch a guy like him and think like, what if he would have gotten one year with urban Meyer or two years with urban Meyer? And we saw that with uh, another guy that I'm going to put on this later in the month is Philly Brown, who really excelled in those early urban Meyer years. And he wasn't a guy with like tremendous speed or anything, but he had a very defined skill set. And he was able to blossom in those early Meyer years. And so it's just fun to go back and see guys like that where you think, man, I wonder if he was around for just like two or three more years and that coaching transition, what he could have done. Is is the guy at the end of the month someone who I have two guesses and you don't have to tell me, but like, is it somebody who just graduated that might have a certain hive around him or is somebody who is like currently on the team for their like 27th year and still probably won't get any touches? No, the two, the two guys at the end of the month, um, one, I'll just kind of give it away. One wore number two and the other wore number seven. Okay. I think that's fair. I think people can piece those together. Although <laughs> I will still, I'm still looking forward to the, uh, the DeMario train highlight package, but we'll, we'll we got to wait for him to graduate. Who I knows mean, when it'll he, be? I know. Is he ever going to graduate? Is he ever going to get the <laughs> ball is my question. Damn free DeMario. <laughs> Um, but speaking of Ohio State uh, this season, things are starting to come together with the commitment of JT to a Malo out. Apparently, they're going to get uh, Pallier Note Note from USC. Maybe if the NCAA decides to get off their ass to do something about that. Um, so the team is pretty much set. There appears to also be some position changes here. And based on some tweets you've had recently, it seems like you're pretty much on board with this Ohio State team being like not even a playoff contender, but like they should be in the playoff as long as one position group and one position group coach is able to make some strides from last year. Yeah. I feel really confident. And I know that I'm even when I was on the podcast, not always like the happy go lucky, sunny outlook for Ohio state, but you can still check our, uh, our iTunes (laughs) reviews to uh, you you can pinpoint the Colton and Patrick era pretty well from our responses, but yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I feel really good about this team and the the jokes about Kerry Coombs in the defense are, are mostly that because I, I do feel a little more optimistic than I throw out there on Twitter. I think last year and, and we talked about this, I think, what was it after the Michigan State game? I was on the podcast and COVID and the way that everything happened, it wanted, it wasn't beneficial for them. It wasn't beneficial for anybody. And that's not an excuse, but I, I kind of think the defense last year just had to play the hand they were dealt. They didn't have really any time to go through spring practice. COVID protocols kind of nuked any possibility of younger players playing, especially those younger dudes in the secondary and in the linebacker core. And they were a little stubborn with what they wanted to do. And that showed in the Alabama game. But I, I think with the full schedule this year, you have games like Akron and Tulsa, and we never think about those games as being like super beneficial. It's just like, hey, let's watch Ohio State kick some ass and we'll watch some young dudes play. But to get those young players on defense and have kind of an idea of the coaches get to see them play in a live game situation. Okay, this is what this guy does. This is what he struggles with. Here are his strengths. That's going to be so crucial for this defense this year. And I think that that's going to be the big key for them because I don't really have any concerns about the offense. I think that 
it's almost plug and play with the quarterbacks at this point. I, I think Stroud or whoever wins the job, if, if somebody takes that from the, him, they're going to be just fine because of the weapons they have and the offensive line they have in front of them. But the defense to me is the one where like, even if they're just, if they're good, then this could be a really special season. Yeah. I mean, look how much they accomplished last season with all of the COVID uh, interruptions, all of the problems with, you know, the, the, the preseason and the off season, and they still made the national championship game. Yeah. They got absolutely embarrassed, but like, they had a very, very bad, historically bad defense, especially on the back end. So if they can improve even a little bit, you've got to think that they're in a really good shot to uh, to at least make the playoffs, which is, you know, I've argued against it in the past, but like that's all you really want is to get them in the playoffs and see what happens uh, from there. But you are a West Coast guy. You live in California. You're originally from Colorado. Um, we've seen like a, a recent influx of of not only West Coast guys, but like Pacific Northwest guys as well. What is that all about? Like, I mean, obviously you're not like a USC fan, but like they've kind of lost some of their steam with recruiting. What do you think about all these guys coming from the West Coast all the way out to Columbus, uh, you know, to be a part of whatever Ryan Day and the various coaches are building? I think it just goes to show the relationships that this coaching staff has built all across the country. And, you know, people talk about it all the time of like, and I know this has been a hot debate on Twitter the last couple of days of like how Ryan day is picked up after urban Meyer. And, you know, mm -hmm. if it's, if urban Meyer deserves all the credit and Ryan day is just Larry Coker or is Ryan day, a top five <laughs> coach in college football. And I think that he's, you know, that's going to settle itself this year and beyond with what Ohio state does. But I think that Ryan Day has shown that he's kind of gone out on his own and made those connections because the, the big thing with Meyer was Florida, right? It's, oh, Ohio State's going to have access that maybe they didn't have before. And I know there were guys like Chris Gamble and others that were, that were from Florida, sure. but Meyer really stepped that up a notch. The West Coast stuff, I, I think, it has, is where – one of the ways that Day has really differentiated himself, and we've seen that with even a guy like Chris Olave, who I think Day personally, you yeah. know, vouched for and, and brought on, and he wasn't a, a high four or five star guy, but to see that success, even for a, a guy like, you know, JTT or some of these other guys from the West Coast, you see that and you think, okay, he's he's able to do that, and you build these relationships with a guy like Gee Scott and his dad, and I think. Scott and JTT played together, correct? Yeah. They, in they, they, high school. Yep. Those relationships, just like anything else in, in business or life are so key. And when you can have somebody vouch for that and, Hey, you know, Ohio winners really aren't that bad and campus is really nice. And, you know, here's what it's like during the school year, that stuff really just exponentially adds up over time. And I think that that's where, Ryan Day has been able to convince these kids and, and the other staff, not just Ryan Day, hey, you know, this is why you should come out here because I can attest to the West Coast is a pretty damn good place to live. <laughs> but if you want to get to the NFL and if you want to have a great college career right now, there are, you know, three main places to go and Ohio State is one of them. And they're doing a really great job on selling these kids a plan of leaving that part of the country and coming out to Ohio State. In addition to the highlights that you're doing, you know, the kind of the look back highlights during the season, you often do 
highlights as well, whether that's of games or um, after the season or stuff. If when this season ends, who do you think is going to have the best set of highlights for Ohio State? Ooh, that's a great question because there's a lot of guys that I think can really step up this year. I'm going to go on a ledge and say that it's going to be Travion Henderson. Mm-hmm. I'm, but I'm buying everything that I'm being sold about this kid this season. He's just, if you watch him, he looks special. And I, I think that they're kind of going out of their way to keep everything under wraps about him, just so the hype doesn't get overbearing. But he just seems like one of those guys that can come in and make a big difference. And maybe he doesn't have the best set because you have Olave and Garrett Wilson. But I think he's the one where you're going to go back and look. And it's going to be like a freshman J.K. Dobbins highlight reel. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to watch him play. And I, I want to actually talk about, to you about this you know, when it gets closer to the season, if you don't mind. But like you threw out um, a, a commitment on Twitter that I, I don't know if you're still planning on keeping. But um, yes. <laughs> and I jumped on it. And Alexis Chasen, formerly of Land Grant, now over at Bleeding Green Nation, we all joined you uh, about making uh, a donation based off of Travion's production. So do you want to give us a little bit of insight as to what that was and what the organization is that that'll be benefiting? Yeah. So this season I and yourself now and Alexis and hopefully others, yeah. I'm going to donate 50 cents for every rushing yard Travion Henderson picks up this season. I might change that to total yards. We'll just have to see, you know, if yeah. he gets one rushing yard, but has a catch for, you know, six catches for 60 yards, then We'll convert it there, but I want to donate 50 cents for every yard to the Food Equality Initiative, which is a nonprofit that supports low-income food allergy and celiac disease communities. They provide safe and healthy, allergy-friendly and gluten-free food and nutrition education and advocacy. It's something near and dear to my heart with somebody with you know pretty severe food allergies. So it's something that I can vouch for and really makes a difference. So, and it also helps communities of color. So we're, we're helping a lot of different people. And so, you know, we, we have fun watching Ohio state. We talk shit, we drink, we do highlights, we do all that stuff. And this is a way to really take that fandom and to kind of put it towards a good place while we're having all this fun. Yeah. I'm planning on having that be something that we push uh, at the beginning of the season here at Lane Grant. And we're going to talk more about it as the season gets closer. So uh, maybe we'll ask you to jump on and talk a little bit more about it when it gets, uh, when it gets close to game time, but that's awesome. Um, So real quick, I'm going to wrap up with two quick topics and then I'm going to let you go. Um, Both of them college football related, but a lot has been said over the last few weeks or so about the name, image, and likeness rules coming into effect. Your good friend, uh, Brett Ludwigsack, has talked about Ohio State needing to restore the lost tattoo gate season. Uh, I know <laughs> you tweeted about how Jim Tressel was kind of ahead of his time. What are your thoughts in general about the NIL deals coming into play, what we've seen so far from some of the crazy sponsorships, and then how... Uh, that retroactively impacts uh, Terrell Pryor, Jim Tressel, and all of those guys that were caught up in that. I think it's great, man. Any any avenue for these kids to be able to monetize, you know, their their likeness should be celebrated. And I really think it's like it's a big deal. It's a huge deal, and it's going to be life changing for a lot of kids. But I don't think it's going to be this like seismic shift that everybody 
kind of thinks it is. I just think that now it's out in the open and it's all, oh, it's going to be, everybody always assumes the worst, especially yeah. about college football, but like these kids were getting money anyway. And now for them to be able to do it, you know, legally and have it not be under the table and shady, I think is a, is a really good thing. And if universities, and this is something that I want to, I want to talk about and expand on in the next couple of weeks if universities really want to put their money where their mouth is when it comes to this recruiting pitch of, you know, it's, it's not a four-year plan. It's a 40-year plan. This is their chance to actually help these student athletes and really treat them like they're more than just athletes and give them, you know, life, life help just beyond the field. So I think it's great. You know, there's been a lot of fear mongering, about it, which, you know, there's always going to be when it comes to college football or or sports, sports in general, but it's awesome, man. And as when it comes to the trestle and prior and the tat gate stuff, you know, I would like to see them do something for the 2010 team and really, you know, the 2011 team as well, but those guys got their names just dragged through the mud. And that was, that was 11 years ago. And you know, I'm not going to act like Jim Trestle was a saint because I don't know him personally, but you know, the further we get along from that era, it's clear that Jim Trestle was a pretty good guy. And the fact that he stood, he took the sword for the whole university on that thing and the players. Um, You know, I, I think a lot of people have some things that they need to take back about him and him, you know, being a scumbag and, Oh, the sweater vest was a lie and the whole reputation was a lie. I think that Jim Trestle's reputation was well-deserved and he's a pretty good human being. And so I I know that they've honored Trestle and they had that halftime ceremony. What was that? Three or four years ago. Yeah. I I would like to see something for all of those players that were implicated in that and Terrell Pryor, especially. And I know that there are people who still don't like Terrell Pryor, you know, amongst the Ohio state community and that's fine. But the guy played a really huge role in Ohio State football, and he was a great player, too. And I think people get lost on that because of what happened. But, uh, you know, I would like to see something happen because you look back going into that 2011 season, you know, it was really them in Alabama. And I know LSU ended up being really good that year, but all of that stuff cost them a legitimate shot at a national championship. And 10 years later, it's just like, oh, tattoos, rings, you know, whatever. It's your likeness. Do whatever you want. And yeah. it's just amazing how much the landscape has shifted because when those kids did it, it was like, oh, my God, put them in jail. I mean, how could they do this? I mean, there were some of us back in the day who thought it was r- ridiculous back then, too. For sure. Uh, but, yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. There's some off-field stuff that Terrell Pryor might have uh, done that uh, might not make him the best person to honor. But in terms of what you're talking about, I think you're absolutely right. It was so blown out of proportion and it was just a media feeding frenzy on wanting to take down a blue blood as far as I'm concerned. But um, last thing we'll wrap up with talking of another uh, longtime land grant friend, Matt Brown has gotten some really great details um, about when EA sports is bringing back the college football game. Apparently it's coming out probably in uh, 2023 you are as far as i know um, one of the biggest old school uh, video game fans that that i know of Um, what are you looking forward to when ea eventually brings back the college football game um well i hope that it doesn't play like madden i think that's my my (laughs) first 
hope because I, I mean, I haven't played Madden in like four or five years, but just hearing people talk about it, it just seems like a mess still. It was, but it, I, I'm excited it was never for as good as the college game. It was never as good as the college no. game. I'm excited for everybody that's excited about it. For me, it's wait and see because the gameplay in the old ones, like 07, 06, 05, was so good. And once it got to like Xbox 360, the gameplay just kind of really got bad. And I know a lot of people like NCAA 14. Um, so I, I hope that they do a lot of fun stuff with it and you can finally have actual players, you know, with their names and their faces and like you can get the you don't have the, um, you know, the guy that doesn't look like himself in real life. So they can point out to a judge like, no, look at this guy. That's you see, it's not the actual rosters like because he doesn't look like him and he doesn't wear the same uniform number. So I hope that they're able to make it just as detailed and as in-depth as possible. I'm actually going through, um, this is another one of my projects. I'm going through NCAA 08 right now and I'm updating all the rosters and it has been hell to put the current (laughs) rosters in because I want to do a project with it uh, for this season. So as soon as this uh, July highlights month is over, I'm getting back to that before the season starts. So there'll be some fun things to come from that as well, but I'm really excited and, and hopefully they, they do it right because we've been without it now for almost a decade and uh, people need their NCAA football back. Yeah. I, I have to admit, I, I haven't played, I didn't play that game after like PS2. That's the last video game system I owned. So um, my recognition of that game is stuck around that 07, 08 timeframe anyway. So uh, I didn't know it got worse. So hopefully it gets better when they bring it back. But but Colton, thank you so much for talking about all this stuff. I love the highlights. I'm looking forward to everything else you've got planned. Um, Where can people find you on, on social media and on YouTube and all of that stuff you need to promote? I am on Twitter at Dubsco, D-U-B-S-C-O. Almost all my tweets, I hate when I do this, but almost all my tweets are focused on Ohio State right now, and it'll probably be that way for like the next four or five months. So, you know, if you want to get get your Ohio State fixed, that's the place to go. And then YouTube.com slash Colton Denning. That's where you can see the rest of this month's Ohio State takeover on the page. You can go back and watch last year's, and then there's a lot of cool throwback stuff it's way more than just Ohio State. Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, a lot of Miami players. Uh, Peter Warwick, that is, that's a top five highlight reel. Um, so just a lot of college football stuff. So YouTube.com slash Colton Denning. Check it out there. Yeah, I also love the, uh, I don't know if you call it trucking season highlights. Um, when you do those as well, those are always fun. Love getting, love seeing people get run over. It's my favorite thing in football, and I can't wait for it again this season. We're going to see Travion Henderson and Master Teague, for that matter, and some of these other running Maya backs. Maya Williams, hopefully. Do that a little. Oh, yeah. Maya. See, man, like, you can get me going for, like, the next 35 minutes on, you know, how, I, how I'm feeling about this team, but we're in early July. I'm putting the lid on my... My enthusiasm, but I'm really fired up for this season, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Also, just real quick, before we get out of here, um, I saw that Purdue is on this schedule this season. Ohio State owes those guys an ass-whooping for what yeah. happened like three years ago, whenever that was. And I know like nobody's on the team anymore from then, but like even stuff like that, I'm really excited for. So uh, looking forward to the Purdue game. And that's probably a great place for us to end. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think we need to go any more in depth on that one, Colton. But uh, I, f- I feel like the podcast after that game, I think you were on that podcast. So uh, that's probably one we don't need to revisit anytime soon. <laughs> no, not at all. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land in conversation. Also, thanks, of course, to the iconic Colton Denning. I will have links to his YouTube page and Twitter account at Dubsco in the show notes and the article version on LandGrantHolyLand.com. If you are finding this episode on the aforementioned website, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We are cranking out episodes nearly every weekday, and there will be more ungodly amounts more once the football season starts. And they all have unique perspectives and voices that you won't hear anywhere else in the Buckeye podcasting universe, for better or for worse. Also, don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.